Well, good morning. Today we're going to start a new series. Uh, we've been looking at Acts, the story of the early church, and now we're going to look at Proverbs in the Old Testament and think about wisdom. But what is wisdom? If you're going to pause the video and talk to the person next to you, or just in your own head, how would you define what wisdom is? The rugby player Brian O'Driscoll, in an interview, kind of famously said that knowledge is different from wisdom, and you know that in situations, say, this is what he said, knowledge is to know that tomato is a fruit, it's got the seeds inside, tomato is a fruit, but wisdom is to know not to put it in a fruit salad. I think that's a pretty good definition. Um, and wisdom is different from knowledge, isn't it? You can have really smart, clever people who seem to not know how to go about living life. And you can have people who barely finished school, but are just really, really world smart. You know, know how to get through, know how to do jobs, know how to do certain things. So, um, I don't know, a few other proverbs that you could think of. A good Scottish proverb from Billy Connolly says, there's no such thing as bad weather, only wrong clothing. So get yourself a good raincoat and you'll never have to worry about the weather again. <laughs> it's a useful thing in Scotland and in Wales, I suppose. Um, or my grandfather and my grandmother, they taught me a lot of wise things. My grandmother taught me everything I know about baking, like the cook's finger, that you can kind of wipe off something with this finger, lick it, enjoy it, but the rest of your hands stay clean. <laughs> Not a particularly sanitary one. Uh, or my granddad always used to dip self-tapping screws in Vaseline, just the, the sharp end, so that if you were screwing something into wood, just goes in really clean, really easy. There's a tip to take home, do some DIY later on. I wonder who you learned your wisdom from. It's often people who are older than us, aren't we? If we think about who's wise, it's often people with gray hair or people who are, who've gone before, who've built up a wealth of experience and they're not just smart people, but they know how to get things done in life. It's kind of practical know-how of the world. You know how to do things. That's what wisdom is. And it helps us with decisions with um, knowing what to do when it, there's no easy moral like, command or, or something that you just know is right or wrong. Like, which job should I take? Or should I apply for a new job? Or should I stay where I am? Should we stay in this house? Should we move to a new house? Should I get married? Or should I stay single? All of those are good options. They might be um, positives and negatives either way, but uh, there might also not really be a command in the Bible or some kind of moral, obvious choice. It's something that needs wisdom. I wonder what your experience is. Who are the people who've taught you wisdom? Where's wisdom begun with you? Maybe it was inexperience. Maybe you, um, you did something wrong and you've learned never to do that again. Maybe it was with a person. Maybe it was your granny or your granddad your mother or your father. Proverbs is actually a book that starts with fathers and ends with mothers. Uh, and all the way through, you have a father talking to a son and saying, listen to me, my son, listen to what I'm gonna tell you. Bind on this wisdom to yourself, like a breastplate, hang it round your neck, like a precious, precious stone. And then you meet a woman who is wisdom. She's like the personification of it. And then the book finishes with advice from a king but advice that he got from his mother. And there's this whole beautiful letter in Proverbs 31, all about a wise woman. So it's, it's fathers and it's mothers, it's granddads and it's grannies, helping us children, sons and daughters, to grow in wisdom through life. We often get wisdom from people, but there's a verse which we need to focus on, which we're gonna look at in detail now. Proverbs 1, verse seven. Let me read you Proverbs 1, one to nine, and then we're gonna focus particularly on verse seven. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. 
Solomon was this king, the greatest king maybe in all of Israel's history, maybe in the world's history. And he, he was great because of what he asked for. God came along and said, Solomon, you can ask me for anything you want and I'll give it to you. And do you know what Solomon asked for? He asked for wisdom. You can go and find that story earlier on in the Bible. He asked for wisdom and then God said, well done you. <laughs> you haven't asked for wealth. You haven't asked for victory in battle or, or any of those things that kings usually want. You've asked for wisdom and that shows some wisdom already. And so I'm going to give it to you. And God gave him wisdom. And so he's the kind of the guy you have in mind. If you think about somebody in all of history who knew how to live life, who wasn't just clever, who wasn't just well-practiced, but who really knew how to work with the grain of the universe, how things should go, then you think about Solomon. And so this is a collection of Solomon's Proverbs and lots of other people too drop their wisdom in, but it's mostly Solomon. So the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. So let the wise listen and add to their learning. If you know about stuff already, well, this is gonna to add to it. And let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and the riddles of the wise. So if you don't know much, well, this is for you. And if you know an awful lot, this is for you. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They are a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. What did that verse seven say? Did you catch that? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, the beginning of wisdom. It starts with God. How does that work? Well, there might be a word in that, the fear, the fear of the Lord, which catches us out for the, for the beginning. Um, but what we're gonna do is focus on that and think about how is it that wisdom starts with God? How is it that it starts with the fear of God? Well, what does the fear of God mean? In English, it's not a very useful word, is it? Fear is something that we, um, that we use to describe situations where we wanna run away from something or fight against something. Then they, they say that those are the two responses to fear, the fight or the flight. But that's not really what's going on here. When we're told in scripture that we should fear God, it's not that we should fight against him and push him away or that we should run away from him uh, in terror. It's not that same kind of word. It's a hard one to translate in English. It's a little bit like the Welsh word kutch. The English word hug doesn't quite do the same thing as the word for kutch or hiraith is another word they say in Welsh, which just doesn't quite have a translation in almost any language. So that's a kind of homesickness for where you belong. There's no word that quite does it justice. And it's similar in Hebrew. The word fear is more like something that you would feel on a roller coaster. <laughs> if you really like roller coasters, not if you hate them, if you like them, and you're kind of, it gives you this tingling, you're scared of it, but you want to do it. And it gives you a real buzz. And it's something which is terrifying. It's maybe life-threatening, but you want to go closer. You want to do it again as soon as it's finished. Or maybe you'd describe it as, um, as that feeling that a groom might feel, you can imagine, on their wedding day, as the most beautiful woman in all the world, who they love more than life itself. She walks through that door as they get a glimpse of her dressed in her, in a beautiful bridesmaid's dress, a beautiful a wedding dress, with her hair done, with flowers on that day that he'll remember for the rest of his life. There's a kind of fear there. Maybe we wouldn't usually say that, but you, you know what I mean? It's a fear. He sort of wants to run away, but he doesn't want to run away. 
He wants more of it. He wants that moment to last forever. He loves her more than anything. He wants to be close to her, to be with her for the rest of his life. And yet it's also a little bit scary. That's the kind of fear that I think is being described here. It's kind of awe and reverence, but those are almost a bit too distant. They're almost a bit too cold. This is love. This is something that makes you want to get close to God, to know him, and yet to honour him, to, um, to lay down your whole life and say, I want what he wants. I want what he knows. I want to love what he loves. I want to look at him and be with him forever. That's what the fear of the Lord is in scripture, the right and healthy fear. And so how is that the beginning of wisdom? Well, let's work it through. There's kind of four bits, I think. Maybe, well, there's plenty more, I'm sure. But let's look at four things about the fear of the Lord. The first is that it's, it involves humility, right? It involves um, knowing your place. That's what humility is. It involves remembering that God is God and I am not. And there's great freedom in that. Humility is about coming to God and saying, Lord, I don't have much wisdom, as you would need to with a father or a grandfather to go and ask their advice or to pull up when you're lost in the car and ask somebody, somebody for directions. Not an easy thing to do that um, for many of us. But that's what wisdom is. That's what the fear of God is. It's humility before God. It's saying he's God and I'm not and I've got a lot to learn from him. He's the one in the driving seat and it's not me. Fear of God involves humility. That's the first thing. Second thing is it, it involves obedience. If he's really God and I'm not, if he's the center of the universe, not me, if he's the one in the driving seat, then he knows where he's going. He's the one who formed this world, who crafted it with his own hands. And it has a grain. It has a way that it usually goes, that it should go. It has a moral character, you could say. And so I need to cut with that. I need to be obedient to that. If I cut against it, if I try and sail against the wind, it's not going to be an easy thing. It's not going to be a happy thing. I need to cut with the grain. If you know anything about carpentry, you'll know it's not uh, it's not a happy or an easy or a tidy thing to try and cut across the grain of a piece of wood to carve against it. It's, it, it's not good and it doesn't end up being particularly beautiful usually. It's hard work and so disobedience is hard work, isn't it? it messes up your life and a lot of these proverbs, if you read on in the next few weeks, um, or if you grab a book like this, this is Tim Keller's book called The Way of Wisdom. It's like a daily devotional and on each page, just one little page, He'll give you a proverb or a little portion of the book to read and then a little commentary on it. That's a really good one. I think it's about six pounds on Amazon at the moment. You could go and grab that or get down to Tim's bookshop in Ammonford. I'm sure he'll sort you out. Um, if you want some reading for the summer, that would be a good place to start for some devotions. But as you read these proverbs, you'll see a lot of it is about fools, about people who don't live it according to the way of the world, God's world. Don't live in obedience to him, in humility, in fear of God. And life ends up usually pretty messed up. So fearing God is about humility. It's about obedience, walking his path, his path, knowing that he's made this world and so he knows the way through it, staying on his paths in obedience. And the third thing, it's about love. Fearing God, like that husband, that groom on the wedding day, is about love, is about wanting to be close to him, not wanting to fight against him or run away from him. It's about wanting to sit down in his presence, about wanting what he wants, about desiring what's good, so the father in that reading, he's saying, come on, listen, make this something in your heart that you really want, like a garland of flowers around your head, like that beautiful necklace that you just want to put on and never take off. You want to be somebody who's wise, who wants to know what's good, know what's best and live in this world. We have a, a love of his presence. We have a love and a, 
a desire for things to go in the way that he wants them to go, for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you see how it involves love? Love for God in who he is and love for his ways in this world. I want the world to be as my father wants it to be. I want to live in it in the way that my father set me in it to live. He's given me this beautiful place as a gift and I want to use it in the right way. A bit like if somebody, a, a real master craftsman woodcarver, carved you a beautiful love spoon for your birthday or for an anniversary or something like that. And you, what's a love spoon for? It's to hang in a prominent place in your living room and to enjoy and to remember to be a beautiful gift that somebody's given to you. It's not to be used as a hammer to go and knock in, knock in the nails on your shed roof. That's not what you use that gift for, isn't it? And so this world is a gift. Your life is a gift. And if you fear God in the right way, if you love him, well, you want to use this life in the way that it's intended for. You want to be humble and obedient and live in love. And also, the fourth thing, we want to live with our attention focused on God. That's what this fear of God is about. That's how we get wisdom, is we're enthralled by him. That he's the one who captures your heart, who sucks in all of your vision so that you see him and love him and honour him and revere him above all things. So that there's lots of other good things in the world that we would pay attention to, but sometimes they drag your attention off. And so, so we'll see lots of subjects in Proverbs that sex and like pleasure or romance can suck in your attention and you begin to give that so much attention that it can wreck your life. And those are good gifts God has given to us, but if they're everything, they end up, they end up disappointing you, they end up being quite bitter. Or money and wealth. God has put us in a world of amazing generosity, so much beauty and wealth in the world. But if that begins to be the thing that catches your attention, you love and fear that most of all, then that'll wreck your life as well. Or family and relationships and children and friendships. Those are the kind of topics we're going to look at in the next few weeks. Well, they can be, they are really good things that God has given to us. But if they suck in your attention, that they become everything that your life is about and you fear and love and want them above all, that can wreck your life as well. And so what does Proverbs say? Proverbs 1, verse 7, this is where you begin to get wisdom, is in fearing God, giving him your attention, having him at the centre of your life, loving him, being obedient to his way, as we're humble and bow the knee and recognise that I'm not God, he's God, and I am not being free in that. That's what it means to fear God. There's plenty more to it, I'm sure, but it's about humility. It's about obedience. It's about love. It's about attention. But do those describe you? To be honest, if I look down that list, I'm not really sure that describes me all the time. I'm not sure I could call myself a particularly wise person by those standards. I'm somebody who's often characterised by pride, not humility, who's quite often disobedient, and I like to go my own way, who... If I love anything, then it's probably, to be honest, myself above other things. I love my own way. I love my own independence. I love doing things in the way that I think they should be. And do I give God my full attention all the time? I know I often get distracted by other things. I wonder if you're honest. Are you somebody more like this king who you read about at the end of Proverbs who says, Oh, let me find the page. I've lost it here and I didn't put a marker in. Um, he's a king towards the end of the chapters and um, he's called Agur in chapter 30. He says, he gets frustrated with himself. He says, I'm weary, God, but I'm sure I can get past it. I can prevail. Surely I'm only an animal, not a man. I don't have a human understanding. He's frustrated with himself. He's messed up his life. I haven't learned wisdom, 
nor have I attained to the knowledge of God. And then he looks for solutions and he says at the end, every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. See, he's somebody who's frustrated with himself. He realises he's not humble, he's not obedient, he's not particularly loving towards God anyway. He doesn't give him his full attention. He feels almost like an animal, like he's not a person as he should be. He's lacking wisdom. He doesn't know what he's doing in the world. And what's his solution? It's to come and know God. It's to seek God and realising that he's a shield. He's the one who wraps his arms around us. He's the father who says, come and learn from me. He's the mother who says, come and sit at my feet and I'll teach you the way it should go. But how do we know him? How can we get wisdom from God? Because God can seem very far away. Well, did you know that God had come close? I mean, if you think through those four um, categories, humility, obedience, love, attention, <coughs> do they describe anyone you know? Well, not me, not most of the people around me, but they do describe Jesus. Jesus is the one who came humbly doing his Father's will. Jesus is the one who came obediently, always wanting things to go God's way for his kingdom to come, for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's the one who always loved God and the people around him. He's the one who always gave God attention. He's the one who knew how things should go, who knew how to answer people and speak to people in different and wise ways. He knew when to back away and leave it and when to engage. Who knew when to stand up to proud and arrogant people and when to take the gentle souls and bring them to a quiet spot and have a heart to heart. Jesus knew how this world worked. Do you know how? because he's the one who made this world. There's these beautiful verses right in the New Testament, in Colossians, a letter. Colossians 2, 2 and 3 says, if you want to know the full riches of complete understanding, then you'll find them in Christ. It says this, my goal, Paul writes, is that you may be encouraged in heart, united in love, so that you may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that you may know the mystery of God, know how the world works, know all that he's about. Namely, what's God's biggest secret that he's made known to us is his son, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Did you hear that? Jesus wasn't just a wise person. He wasn't just a smart guy who knew how things went. He's not just an example for us to follow. No, he is wisdom. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in him. He is the God who made us. He's the one you're supposed to get to know. He's the one we're supposed to bow before in humility. It's his word and his teaching that we're supposed to obey. It's him that we're supposed to love and his love that's supposed to be poured into our hearts. It's him who's supposed to be the one that we fix our attention on. It's Jesus. It doesn't have to be God in the abstract. It doesn't have to be that he's far away. He's come close to us in Jesus, in his son. So are you struggling? Do you feel like a fool, to be honest? Well, you don't just need a, a few special tricks or sentences or proverbs or clever sayings to give you a bit of know-how in the world. Now, instead, you really, you really need to know him. You need to know Jesus for yourself. You need to know the one who is wisdom. You need to come and fear him in that right way. He is the Lord. He's the one who made you. He's the one who knows the way the world works. He's the one who stepped into this world to even die in this sad world. Because it doesn't always work out, does it? We'll read through the Proverbs and sometimes they sound like guarantees or promises. We need to remember as we go that Proverbs aren't promises. They're kind of probabilities instead. They're the, things, the way things usually do go, if things go right. But we know that the world isn't quite right, don't we? We know that something's not right in my heart. 
sometimes I seem to prefer just going my own way even when I know it's going to wreck things. Well, the world's pretty dark. My heart's, my, our hearts, my heart is a pretty dark place. But Jesus has come into the world, not just to show us how we should live, but to live that way for us. Not just to teach us a bit of wisdom, but to be wisdom for us and to rescue us from our darkness, to rescue us from our folly, to give us new hearts, new lives, and teach us to live again along the grain of the universe. Teach us to live with humility and the freedom that comes with that. Teach us to live in obedience and the joy that comes, the freedom and the, the joy that comes with living God's way. He's come to teach us and pour into our hearts his love. And he's come to help us not get sucked into all these things in the world that can wreck our lives if we make them our gods. But he's come to be our God. He's come to be the one who, if you give all your attention to Jesus, put your eyes, fix your heart, all your love on him, well, everything else will get thrown in as well. And he'll teach you. He'll be a father to you and take your hand and walk you on the way. He'll be a mother to you and wrap his arms around you and look after you. He'll be a shield around you. He'll take you up and say, all, those, all that mess that you've made, it's forgiven. It's washed away. Let's start again. Let's walk the way. Walk the way that you're meant to walk. Well, I hope you'll enjoy this little journey through Proverbs as we get into the summer. We're going to be looking at Proverbs um, topics like friendship, like sex and the body, like money and work and what that's all about um, and a few other ones uh, in between. But I hope you enjoy it. I hope it's something that bears fruit and is a benefit to you. But what are we going to remember through it all is that it isn't just tips for life, that really it begins with God, that if you really want to know wisdom, you need to know the one who made this world, the one who made you. You need to come and know that his name is Jesus and he's the saviour and the wisdom of the world. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for who you are, that you are wisdom. Thank you for who we are, that you've made us as people to know you and you've put us in this world, which is such a gift. Lord, we're sorry for how we often turn it dark, how we often wander from your paths. Lord, how we often give attention to things that, um, that aren't you. Lord, we pray that you would help us. Fix yourself in the centre of our hearts, we pray. Lord, put our feet on your ways. Uh, Lord, teach us to bow and bend the knee to you in humility and to live according to your ways in obedience. Lord, we pray that you'd help us. Would you help us to look towards Jesus, to see in him wisdom, and not just to try and copy him, but Lord, to come to him as our saviour and have you fix us and clean us and, and put us back on your path. Lord, help us to live all of life with you, we pray, with this right fear that we might love you and Lord, love those around us and know how to live in this world. Um, Lord, we pray that for today and for tomorrow, that you would teach us wisdom as we get to know you day by day. Amen.